I'm, reco- I am. I'm recording. Are you recording? I'm recording. I'm recording. Everybody's recording. recording. Is everybody recording? I'm recording. Is that how this works? Yeah. This is Strategy Car, the show that's a road trip to a better web. I'm Elena Wines, and today we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to call this a crossover episode with our friends at the Drunken UX podcast. Today we've got Michael Feenan, and we've got Aaron Hill. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about who they are, and then we're going to get started the way that they usually get started and find out what everybody's drinking. So we've got Michael Feenan, who is a web developer, who also majored in theater, because why wouldn't you? I wish I would have. Um, He's worked on small sites, big sites. And now he works on sites that help other web folks find jobs. He wrote a book on .cms. He speaks at events all over the world, and he likes helping people be better at the web. Aaron Hill is a Ruby on Rails developer. He majored in chemistry, which he just added to the notes because you can't talk about Phoenix College without talking about Aaron's college. (laughs) Um, He also was in higher ed web dev for about a decade. Um, He's a project lead at Ruby for Good, and he's given riveting presentations on internet memes at PSU Elements in 2017. That was like one of the first PSU events that I wasn't at and I missed your presentation. I'm sad that you missed it. I was really sad because I remember you talking about building it for so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to have to like send me the notes on that one of these days. Sure. Um, another side note on Aaron Hill is that he's really, really good at Secret Santa gifts. <laughs> <laughs> that was such... That was so awesome. Your, your coworker was a saint and all of that that was great so, so wait elena and i have both gotten presents from aaron oh that's right i sent you one too yeah the, um, i got the art that, i totally forgot about it. yeah art and the uh, uh the, the nick offerman book yeah yeah i got right cookies on. i think i win <laughs> but like but they weren't they weren't just cookies no though. no so they were from your favorite cookie place yeah so when i worked on campus there was a pizza place in like the food court that had these really good chocolate chip cookies and if you got there the right time they were warm and i don't know i must have gone on about these warm cookies at some point because of course i did and he not only got me the cookies he got me an entire pizza box filled with the cookies Mm -hmm. and they were delivered warm i don't even know how you do that from however many states away i'm in michigan i had to call them i had to call them and pay over the phone and then i got your coworker to go over and pick them up and deliver them yeah so it was great a plus (laughs) to you okay so what are you guys drinking i'm uh i'm sipping on some oban 14 it's a highland single malt scotch because that's how we do that's real fancy (laughs) Fina's scotch selection is just incredible. I, I am not unknown for the amount of, of scotch I have in my house. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a, a scotch for every night of the week and for every mood of the month. So <laughs> I've got a – I am celebrating the return of warm weather to upstate New York with a Tangeray and tonic. It's a family drink. When my aunt passed away last year, her – her her dying wish was for everyone at her wake to enjoy a gin and tonic. So here's for you, Aunt Lou. Yeah, cheers to that. <laughs> See, Elena calls this a crossover episode, but what she doesn't realize is we're really just going to take over for half an hour. <laughs> I think that's great. Let's work for me. 
Um, before you take over my show, um, I'll let you know that I'm drinking another rosé because it's also summer here, and that's all I do right now. Is this from your from your um, delivery thing? Nope, this isn't Wine Club. This is just a bottle that was on sale at the grocery store, and I oh, was excellent. fooled by Clever Marketing. It's like, on sale from a really expensive price. I don't think it was ever that price. I just don't think it's really that good. Um, it's very acidic. And now that I'm looking in this glass, I see little bits of dirt because I took it outside with me when I was pulling weeds. Whoops. Suburbia. That's called Hashtag suburbia. That, that's called uh, fiber. I'm going to go ahead and drink this anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, since this is going to be your guys' show, um, the first question I've got for you, and then I'm going to let you go, is what is the Drunken UX podcast and like, how did it become a thing? Also, why did it become a thing? <laughs> I think I think Michael should answer the, this one. The why on that is the question everybody asks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually started Drunken UX several, several years ago, and, and it started <clears throat> with sort of a vague idea of doing a YouTube series where I would get drunk and do like a live stream test of a, a site, um, mostly for my own amusement, but hopefully for others. Um, <laughs> we got a preview episode out the door before I was like, hey, eh, the technology's just not there. The webcams weren't very good yet. It was hard to record a screen and yourself and do all this. And also I didn't want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I I realized for it to be funny, I had to drink a lot, and I didn't want to drink that much that frequently. So um, I kind of shelved the idea, and I but I had the account, I had a Twitter account for it. I'd kind of set all that up, and every once in a while, like drunken UX would be sort of the alternate persona of myself if I was sitting at a computer doing something and drinking, and so he would be the guy who comes out and rants and and. You know, yells at stuff. Um, towards the end of last year, we started talking, and I, I was talking with some other folks about wanting to get back into something. Um, I wrote at a website called .edu Guru for several years, where we talked about web marketing, web development, and higher education. Um, I love producing, I love creating things, and I have not had uh, an opportunity to do that lately. And so. The idea sort of came out that was, you know, why don't you do just a podcast version of the YouTube deal? And I thought about it. I'm like, well, that doesn't, you know, it's neat, but it doesn't translate real well because there's a highly visual component to that. But could do just a podcast. And I got to talking to this guy on the other microphone here about it and, and this That's idea funny. of, um, you know, drunken UX is ultimately about our listeners' experience with us. We're the drunk ones. We're, we, we drink. We talk about web stuff. Um, we have, you know, some fun doing it. It's it's a very loose format kind of show. There there are a lot of folks like, you know, Syntask and Shop Talk and these guys that, you know, they're all doing great shows that are very highbrow um, in terms of, like, what they what they tackle and, and the technology stuff and the tools. That That's filled. Like, that area, I think, is well covered. We're more like just the general talk show version. Not quite Jerry Springer, but definitely a little Maury Povich. <laughs> you might be close. <laughs> so that's that's the We thing. have the test results. We we started bad UX. We started in January. We we launched the show. Um we've got uh two uh two segments now, the the main uh dot uh dot UX. 
um, Drunken UX podcast segment, and then <laughs> I do a weekly real-time overview segment that's just a news roundup kind of thing. It takes 10 minutes. Um, it's just a quick little thing. Um, we're also talking about a couple other possibilities that may get mixed should, in there soon. Um, should we mention it? Uh, I'm not going to mention it till I actually have an episode done and know that it's going to okay. happen. Okay. But there are a couple I, ideas that we are going to maybe be adding to that. So the the one we talked about is going to happen. I, I talked with the person. So. Okay. Yeah, and I I I think that one's a, yeah. a definite. There's I think we are definitely good on one of the ideas. So yeah, um, this feels really vague but exciting. Question <laughs> mark. It's it's designed to keep people listening. <laughs> It should be pretty cool. I, I, I don't want, I'm, I'm with Michael. I don't want to talk about the thing before we have it. So just, I, I think you'll just see dang, the, dangle that out there. You'll, you, you should, we'll probably have an announcement about it probably next month. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the meantime, if we're going to still talk about the show as it exists, um, Aaron, what, what I'm trying not to say, what were you thinking, but <laughs> what, what were you thinking you in a good way when <laughs> you got approached about this idea? Like, what's in it for you? Why Why do you do what you do? Oh, I, 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 it combines two of my favorite things, like being snarky and drinking. Like, that's <laughs> – oh, and I guess technology, too. I was going to say, it's, like, the internet? Yeah. No, it's it's my, Michael and I have uh, – we've, we've never actually met in person, but we've known each other for almost seven years now. Um and uh twitter and he was yeah twitter and facebook me miraculous uh but uh he was floating that idea and i was like oh that sounds like fun like i i would be down with that um i think the biggest challenge we've had so far is uh keeping up with transcripts <laughs> we, we the first like four or five episodes like you know we would each grind out a, a day of like listening to the podcast and and then fixing the machine transcribed version um, but we've gotten very behind on that. Uh, so apologies to everyone. <laughs> it's but, it's uh, really hard. That and, and coming up with topics is is tricky too. Sometimes they just kind of like pop out, but um, other times they're trickier. But overall, it's UX, right? Like yeah, assessing yeah. UX, talking about UX. Like I I think that well. I mean, UX is sort of at the core of everything that where a user is going to interact with. Like, we don't talk about – we haven't at least talked specifically about things where the user is not an element, you know, like uh, deep, deep dives into server stuff or anything. Um, we we tend to focus on stuff where users are interacting with things. And so the UX is always going to be a component of that. Uh, so I can will you talk admit... a little bit – I was just going to say, I, say what you're going to say, but also, like, tell me what UX means to you. Because for whoever's listening, they might not know. Uh, what I'll throw out there is I, I admit readily that our nomenclature for the show is a little misleading because we aren't strictly a UX podcast. Um, In our defense, though, we're drunk. We, we are so. drunk and people have an experience with us. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. where, where I go with that. And I admit that I'm <laughs> kind of crowbarring you know, that idea a little bit into something that I already had. Because um, I, I liked the name. I, I think the moniker worked well, and I wanted to run with it. Um, yeah. And we, we'll cover, you know, we've, we have a scratch pad of, of ideas, and it's going to run the list from, you know, talking about how you implement Google Tag Manager to, uh, you know, 
what the future of GDPR compliance looks like to mm. web security and, and, and things like that. And we've got um, several interviews that are stacking up in well into July at this point that, um, you know, those conversations will take on their own shape. Um, but the user, I think, is always central to these discussions because mm-hmm. whether that user is the developer who is using those build tools or the user of a website you know we if you go back and listen to some of our uh, prior episodes like the restaurant episode and, and things like that I was like going to suggest that one yeah that was a good one it's you know it is very <laughs> central to making designers and developers think about the things that users expect from these tools and stepping back and stepping away um you know my career has been built behind a screen but um, I would not be where I am and, and be as good at what I do if I didn't understand how important the people are, um, whether that's mm-hmm. the people I work with, the people that I serve, or the people that use the things I build. Um, and so user experience is a thing. It is a thing we have, and, and we get that. And it's it's grown out of you know other user-centered design concepts that aren't digital. You know, When you look at like Alan Cooper's books and things like that, um uh that idea is it's a philosophy really i mean that's what it comes down to and that's that's kind of how we approach it we aren't trying i'm not a ux expert i don't claim to be and i don't want people to think i am um aaron doesn't look like a ux expert um i don't <laughs> so you know i i, I wait, think wait what does a ux expert look like um you you need more beard and less hair i'm i'm getting there but Okay. I still have a little okay. too much hair on top. Yeah, I don't. I have the opposite of that. Um, but we, as an industry, you know, we've kind of we've started uh, defining these areas: UI, UX, um, and, and subcategories within those things. And that's great, but it's okay to look at this very broadly and just sort of acknowledge that users are a thing, and that's kind of where we float. Like I say, very you know, our our approach is very casual, and, and I think there are a lot of web developers that benefit from not having that sort of hyper focused mm-hmm. uh, look at at the field. Yeah, I don't I don't know if if you were looking for like a an academic discussion of UX topics, like that's not what our podcast is. <laughs> no, not at all. Really, I wanted to know what it means to you. Um, yeah, because I mean, it can be so many things and the way that it goes with the other segments of what the web is i mean it's all all the lines are blurring well i i think that we offer good value in in the the content that we produce whether or not it's uh by the book so to speak well and i want to i think i want to encourage people to to think about one thing that i get really tired of and i see this with developers a lot but i'm starting to see it in other parts of our field particularly in the user experience realm if you follow you know, enough of, like, UIE and Jared Spool and those guys, um, Don Norman, his stuff, um, and many of the other, you know, the firms and people out there that are trying to make names for themselves. There's a growing amount of infighting. And there's a lot of argument happening, not discussion, but just argument happening over, you know, base components of user experience and what user experience means and and what users want and expect or what a persona is supposed to look like or what you know what a, a conversion should be measured as and people seem to think that there are 
absolute rights and wrongs to these questions. Yeah. And they're, they're just aren't. They're only users and experiences. And this understanding that what may work for you doesn't work for other places. And it has to do with how you implement stuff, how you build stuff, who you talk to, how you self-select. There are a million factors that come into play with that stuff. And it's not about getting something right or wrong. It's about... Do you learn things and do you adjust accordingly based on that? And do you learn those things absent as much prejudice and bias as you can? You know, don't hold people's hands toward a goal. Let them figure it out and then draw, you know, uh, your hypothesis out of that. Um, and that's something I think I, you know, and, and we've already done it. It's okay for people to make a mistake or to say something wrong. That's not a big deal. I think that that's one something we've covered in a bunch of the episodes, including the restaurants one, um, and that's that, you know, whatever, or the the e-commerce one too. I remember it being a topic there. Yeah. Whatever. There's no absolutes here. Well, I mean, maybe there are a couple absolutes, but um, broadly speaking, though, the the correct UX decision is the one that's correct for your audience, for your website or web application or mobile app or whatever, you know, storefront. It's whatever – if you have all – if your audience is all older people, for example, like um, elderly people may be signing up for something that elderly people like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Uh, pencils and doilies? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but if it's all – if it's a specific demographic, then then the tradition – like the, the broad, broad spectrum UX principles may – they may do okay, but they're not going to be as good as something that's more targeted for that demographic specifically. And the only way to know that it's working is to do audience research and then to do like metrics that you can measure and then actually see what works. And like, I think the process of finding a good, a suitable UX for your audience is doing good UX. And I don't think it, it's necessarily like a bullet list of like, I did all these things. I have a good UX. Like, I don't think it's that simple. I think you really have to do the legwork and have a good process. So with all of that said, if you're looking at it as more of a philosophy and there's not like a one right way to do it, do you think there's anything consistently that people should keep in mind as they're approaching these kinds of decisions and, and design choices and projects? Like how do you, approach a new project or approach a new product wanting to do your best to make sure that the UX is what it should be? Are there questions you should keep in mind or things that you should consider? Well, I, I think that the, the right, I, I don't think that it's the, not that there's one right way to do it. I think that the right way to do it is to research your audience and then build it like with empathy for their experience. Um, but I would say that what that is, there's no one right way for that. Because audiences are different, and you should know who yours is. And, and you should always be, you know, talking to these people and, and testing them. Even if you're at, you know, a small organization where maybe you're the only web person, um, you know, working at a company of 20 people or something like that. Uh, if you can sit down, you know, even once or twice a year with, you know, five or ten people and just talk to them. You know, talk through stuff. You don't need a whole user experience testing lab and eye tracking and all this stuff to do usability testing. Um, yeah. A usability test can be as simple as sitting down with a box of pizza and asking how, you know, folks 
feel about your website? What was the last thing you tried to do? What you know frustrated you? You know, what would you like to see us doing better or, or more of, or things like that? Um, you know, this stuff scales really well, and and the outcomes. You know, you're not striving for perfection; you're just striving for better. Um, and whether that means you know whether you make clay pipes or sell movie tickets or whatever the case may be, I just I, I tweeted earlier today, as a matter of fact, at um, Hilton. I was scheduling a hotel room for a conference, and I had to walk away and come back. And my oh, I saw that. Yeah, my my thing expired <laughs> because you know room availability changes, so they expired after so long. But it forces me as the user to go all the way back through the whole process, as opposed yeah. to saying. Here's what you searched for. Would you like to update that search? Click the button. And so I tweeted mm-hmm. at him and said, hey, this kind of sucks. You might think about it. And they sent a thing back, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna, we'll are gonna send this on to our uh, uh, brand managers or, or something they called them. <laughs> um, nice. It didn't feel like the right people, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, <sighs> but, you know, the, the tools are easy. You know, Google Analytics is free. Just learn how to use it. Measure. Adjust. All you know, be looking for ways to improve because nothing stays still. Tools change, people's people change. You know, people. We we think about we do a redesign, and the site is new and fresh and and hip and cool. And now people know how to use everything, and it all works well. But when you do a redesign, the experience is designed for people seeing it for the first time, not the people seeing it a year from now mm-hmm. who are now used to it. And so the experience changes as a result. And so you need to be talking to those people throughout that process so that as your users mature, as your design matures, you're making small little adjustments to adapt to the way that people are changing on how they use your site. So there's, you know, there's a lot of this stuff in play, but you don't need to be big. You don't have to have, you know, expensive tools or any of that. You can just start with that basic question of what works, what doesn't work. Steve Krug's Don't Make Me Think is a reference that we mention frequently on our show. And um, I think that if you haven't had a chance to read that book, it's a really easy read and it's great. And it it covers a lot of those fundamentals. And he has a whole chapter about doing UX testing on a shoestring budget, Um, like literally tens of dollars instead of, you know, thousands. And you can get, uh, what do you say, like 85% or something? of the issues addressed with like five people. If you can get five people to do usability testing with your site, um, you can get like 80 or 85% of the issues. Uh, and he has data to back this up. I, I don't have it handy, but um, I highly recommend that book for anyone who works with anything that a, that a user interacts with. It's just, it's good. Good stuff. I'll, I'll name drop one particular tool um, just so folks are aware of it because it is relatively new. Um, Google Optimize is out now. That gives you A-B testing free. Nice. Drop it on your site and start changing stuff. And you can measure. You tie the uh, uh, the measurement of tests to events or goals in your Google Google Analytics and let it do the work for you. Sit there. Do you think one word works better than another word? Do a fifty-fifty A/B test. Let it run for a week. See what happens. Um, what was that? You mentioned it was in the e-commerce episode. It was that the one button, and how much money did it make the company? Oh, they, they changed the button text or like, something. Like the the three million dollar button. Yeah, that's what it was. 
I want one of those. <laughs> it's like the easy button, but it makes you money. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, it was the Want. $300 million button. Yeah, yes. I'll take one of those, too. Yeah, that that was uh, that article, um, UIE had put it out. I don't think they named the company that this was for, but okay. I have to imagine it was Amazon or Walmart. I mean, $300 million is a crap yeah. ton of revenue, and there's only a few folks that are pushing that. But, yeah, they they made – it was like a, it was a change to the language on the button. They changed the wording on yeah. the button and – were able to increase it was a incredibly modest like sub one percent or something conversion rate um bump but i mean it's one of those things that that scale yeah it's the economies of scale type thing um it's like that javascript argument that was it buzzfeed brought up when they found out that 13 million users didn't have javascript running Super tiny percentage of their overall traffic, but it's still 13 million users. So, yeah, yeah, scale is uh, a funny thing in the web. So, what have you learned since you started this show? Transcripts take forever. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. Good ones, especially. Um, you know, I've learned. I've I've forgotten. I've got a background in radio, and I've I've done audio production for a while, and it's been a long time though. And it's it's one thing if anybody is thinking about doing a podcast, just as a, in a general sense, it does take a lot of time. It takes a crap mm-hmm. ton of time and effort to to market it and get it in front of people and do it well. Um, but I think on a more basic sense, like it's this show has made me a better developer because I'm constantly now thinking about, you know, whether it's the topics that we're working on for shows or even, Mm -hmm. you know, real time overview has increased how much attention I pay to web news tenfold. And I'm constantly now just in conversation with my coworkers, dropping articles that turn out to be relevant to something that we're talking about because I'm, I'm going through all these articles to see which ones we're going to feature for real time overview. Um, and it reminds me, A, I've slipped a little. I don't read as much as I used to, and that's, you know, to not to my benefit. Um, but I enjoy the hell out of that. Um, and there's yeah. so much to learn that doesn't take a lot of time. Mm. And I think that's really incredibly important. I think it's one reason why real-time overview, when, when we launched that segment, short 10-minute segment – takes me 30 minutes to put it together um that is that that immediately spiked our listeners uh and we get really consistent uh good numbers especially like on launch day for it and i think there is a lot of interest in that sort of give us just some information real fast and let us you know bite down on it and we'll go you know click through on the link if we want to um and you know, that that teaching aspect and and keeping folks in the loop you know it's it's important it's it's important to talk to the the peers and and folks that you work with and folks that look up to you to make sure you know we i share some really basic articles on that about like how to write css better and i know that you know nobody that know that i work with it would benefit from that but i want them to hear that and then share that with you know an 18 year old cousin that's yeah looking at getting into college and wants to do graphic design because those people still need that information. They still need to learn that. I think that we, we did a whole episode about, um, you know, how we got started and then how also 
other new people could get into the into the biz and i i really i think that in this community specifically like mentorship is a really awesome thing and it, it happens a lot and i think it can always happen more The next question I had for you was what's next for you guys, but based on earlier conversation, I feel like you're not going to tell me. <laughs> we we have, we have a couple ideas. Yeah, we've got a couple ideas. Uh, we mentioned we have one segment that is almost a definite that people can look for next month. Yeah. Um, we'll do an announcement about it and and, and all that. Um, there's a second segment uh, that that's kind of getting kicked around. It's uh, in a much less baked state so i don't know you know how soon that may be coming um or if it'll land um we are looking though doing um i've got i will be at the web accessibility summit airing well next week from when we're recording this i don't you know by the time this airs it's probably will have come and gone but um i'll be at web accessibility summit and then i'll be at uh, anavita park in boston um this june and so we'll be recording remotely at both of those locations talking to folks um, maybe do a live show. So that'll be, I think, real neat. Um, I've got a whole kit. I've put together a kit for it. <laughs> oh, it, it, he's got this amazing little recorder. Uh, it's like James Bond technology. It's the, the palm of your hand, but it does like digital recording four track. It's awesome. I want one. But that's the hope, <laughs> though. Um, you know, I, I certainly want more listeners. I think uh, I want more feedback. I want I want more, more everything. I, I don't expect to make a living on it, but I'm sure as hell having fun doing it. So I, I want other people to have fun with us. I, I had a boss at, at uh, IU East, uh, John Dalton. He used to say content is a hungry beast. And I, I think that uh, for this show, like just constantly looking for new ways to generate content and, um, you know, new formats, new topics whatever play crossover episodes crossover episodes. yeah yeah <laughs> well, and having guests on the show has been awesome that's been a delightful experience. yeah that's that has been a kind of a new thing for us jeff uh jeff chandler was our first uh guest that was i mean that was last month so i mean we're not talking about you know recently here um or no we are i mean we are talking about recently here um yeah but you know we've kind of gone to this idea of let's have we do two shows a month let's have one of those shows include a guest um and it it very much changes the dynamic of the show a little bit and gives us uh you know another brain because as you know as Mm -hmm. we've stated you know we we know what we know but we are by no means authoritative across the board or anything like that so this uh you know being able to pull in these other folks who will come in and talk with us um is great fun especially when they come on and drink with us folks like you that's great (laughs) so if people want to find you, where do they find you? I'm going to interject first and say, if they're going to start listening to your show for the first time, they should start with episode 10. Yep, episode 10. <laughs> episode 10 was our best episode ever. What, we had what was the name awesome of that guest. episode? It's Little Red Strategy Car. I, I don't, I have no idea why, but I've done this thing where I'm doing like music puns as our titles. I, it made me so happy and I didn't even realize it was a music pun at first. It just, once in a while, I use that little red emoji car. <laughs> right. And I was like, they knew. They no. knew about the emoji that I've. We can pretend. I mean, yes, own. yes, that's exactly. That's exactly what it was. Totally. That was what we Totally planned it out. Yes. Did you know that on Instagram now, 
You can use emojis and hashtags. I barely understand Instagram. I've I I have an account now, so I'm figuring it out. I was messing around <laughs> yesterday, and I did hashtag, and I made a little goat, and it came up with all these other results. You can click it. <laughs> I think I heard you can use emoji and domain names now. Can't you? No, I don't want that to be true. I don't. I know you can use them. Uh, you, Aaron Patterson at a RailsConf, he demoed you can use emoji in um in rails routes he showed one with the heart emoji how do you feel about that uh eh. just are eh. uh, your scientists did uh, well what's the line your scientists uh, were so interested in if they could they didn't stop to think if they should <laughs> if, if they should, they should. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> now, folks can jump into the podcast anywhere, though. Um, you know, everything is episodic. Nothing is, uh, uh, you know, serialized or anything like that. Well, I shouldn't say that. We do have a higher, a two-part higher do. episode, but that's we do a lot of callbacks too. Yeah, but that should just incentivize you to listen to the other episodes. <laughs> Real-time overview is every every week. Um, Drunken UX is every other Monday. So. If, if you're just looking for us, you can run by our website at drunkenux.com. Um, we're on Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter. Same thing, drunkenux. Um, uh, what? Oh, and Slack. Slack, yeah. If you go to drunkenux.com slash Slack, um, we're there. Um, yeah. We're on Google Play, iTunes. Um, I think we're on Spotify. I think we're Are we? on Podcaster or whatever it's called, Podcast Hub. Um we're a lot of places. Um, there's an RSS feed. There's, you know, whatever you need there. So, yeah, definitely swing by. You know, cl- click the little I miss RSS. And... You miss it? Did it go away? It's not as nearly as popular as it used to be or widely used or widely consumed. I still use you can, it. Sorry, I didn't mean to do You can still there. use it if you want to. Uh <sighs> All right, guys. Well, that, that's all I've got for you. Do you have anything else for me? Um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We, we appreciate you taking the time to have us on and letting us chit-chat with you and and shamelessly plug our own show a little bit. And It's a good time. Shameless. Have fun, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know. Tweet us, at Drunken UX. <laughs> and hashtag strategy car. Yeah, this has been Strategy Car. Well, you can get future episodes of Strategy Car wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, you can add to the conversation anytime at strategycar.com. Boom. Ding. Okay, well, I'm going to, like, do an intro thing. If it ends up sounding not great, I'll re-record it later, but we'll, like, do the general thing. Phenon will make a noise like that. Was that Phenon? That's all, Aaron. Don't look at me. I didn't have your video. (laughs) We'll do that stuff. Yeah. And then... Here, I'm going to pull this in a separate window so I can see your faces. Because now I don't trust you. Faces!